Welcome back to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. I have another Andrew for you, Andrew Hawkins of the Cleveland Browns. Interesting conversation, thoughtful guy talking about his visit to Capitol Hill last week with a group of players. They talked about race relations and other things you'll hear about in a minute. First, a word from Elite Team Blankets. You can save 25% off your favorite NFL and college team blankets. All you have to do is enter promo code TIGERS, T-I-G-E-R-S, all caps, Free shipping, 25% off EliteTeam.com. Now, these blankets are actually two blankets in one. They're machine washable. They're designed to get softer with every wash. The fabric technology keeps you comfortable in any temperature. Again, promo code TIGERS. Free shipping, 25% off. It won't last. Made in USA. Perfect gift for the holiday season. Elite Team, the official blanket of pure fandomonium. That's promo code TIGERS, T-I-G-E-R-S. Happy holidays, from Elite Team. Now to Andrew Hawkins, one of the more interesting players in the NFL on his visit to Capitol Hill. Contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. I saw last week visit to Capitol Hill with a group of five players in the NFL, all of whom I have followed and thought to be very thoughtful, insightful, and interesting guys. And what I thought, putting their action where their words are in this divisive time going to Capitol Hill, one of them's with me here, Cleveland Browns, Andrew Hawkins, someone that I've followed for a while here. Andrew, welcome, and good good name, by the way, and good to have you. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. I appreciate it. It's a blessing to you, man. I appreciate you having me. I wanted to start right there. Uh, How did the trip to the Hill happen? How did you become one of the guys? And... What was the organization process and the feeling behind going? Tell us how that all happened. Uh, yes, yeah, so, I mean, it was put on by uh, Anquan Bolden kind of got the ball rolling with everything. Um, you know, and, and he's actually met with Congress. And, you, know, you know, Anquan is one of those players who's been in the league a long time. And, you know, over time, I think he's really found his voice and found what kind of impact his influence could have. So, right. um he reached out to me and, and the other players and, um, you know, kind of told us what he had going on. Uh, he said he hadn't picked everybody, um, you know, based on what he'd seen in the media and, and some of the things that we all talked about and felt. And Like I said, he really put together a good group and it was, uh, like I said, a great experience. So Anquan contacted you and Malcolm Jenkins and the others and, Mm. You sort of how did that's from your side of things? How did it set up on the on the congr- congressional side, the Hill side? Did did he have a contact there? Did he know people there? Was someone working on his behalf setting up your meetings? Yeah, so he has a uh, yeah he has a team of people that that kind of help put together uh, the, the meetings and make the connection. And he does have some congressmen that he knows personally um, right. who he met with as well. You know, and like I said, I met. Honestly, and it, it sounds crazy to a lot of people, and even me at first before it all went through, you, you never really realize the power you have as professional athletes. But, you know, I think that was the beauty of it all is that we were able to sit down with congressmen from, you know, Republican and Democrat. And because football is, is a common interest, a common love that we all share, like I said, we were able to have great conversations about an important issue and, um, you know, even get commitment to continue the, continue the topic. Tell us about those meetings. Uh, you said it's both sides of the aisle, both Democratic and Republican. Mm-hmm. What are some memories from meetings, and who'd you meet, and who really made an impression on you coming from that side? 
Yeah, I mean, like we met, we met with Congressman uh, Daniel Webster, um, Keith Ellison out of mm-hmm. Minnesota. Um, we met with the Congressional Black Caucus. Um, you know, I mean, we really had, we probably met with probably 10 to 15 congressmen and women. And, you know, like I said, man, the conversations were, were very fluid. They were very open. They were very honest. Um, and it really gave the opportunity to voice our opinions and kind of see where people stood from a, from a lawmaking standpoint and, and what they're working on as far as, uh, legislative, uh, excuse me, um, from uh-huh. a legislation standpoint that, uh, you know, we can kind of get a little more information. I think that was the ultimate goal was for us to get information, um, and, and we've taken a lot of steps. I mean, guys like Malcolm Jenkins, who I've been in contact throughout the year, he kind of uh, influenced me to go have, you know, conversations with the police chief in the city, which we have. Um, and he's done, he's done the same. And it, it gives you perspective. And the reason why it's so important is because until you get as much information as possible, it's hard to take that next step. So being able to meet with them, them hear us um, on behalf of community and kind of show our willingness to say, look, Whatever we can possibly do to help, we're willing to do. Um, if we're able to use our platform to to kind of mend this gap, then uh, that's our responsibility. And uh, like I said, they were very receptive to it, and it was really a productive day all around. What are kind of the things that came up that you can do with your celebrity, with your name value in your communities? And, and you know, whether it's – you tell me the topic, whether it's race relations generally, whether it's police community relations – Inside those rooms on Tuesday, what were the kind of subjects brought up where this is how you guys, you, Andrew, Malcolm, what you can, Anquan, what you can do on your mm-hmm. end? What were some of the things mentioned? Um, well, I mean, it was, like I said, I mean, I, they were appreciative that we were able to take that step, and we were appreciative that they gave us the time to come in and voice those concerns. And, and some of the things that we talked about, I mean, not only meeting with um people in the federal level, but also the state level or in the community. Right. Um, and obviously, I mean, you know, and this goes without saying, continue to work in your community because like I said, all the guys there are guys that are, have done a tremendous amount of work in their community um, and really have put themselves out there to show, you know, it's something they truly care about. And I think all the congressmen understood that. And um, I think that's what also helped the conversation go so smoothly is because okay, we're not there for any agenda. We're not there because it's making us money. We're not there because we're lobbying for tax breaks or to help a business make more money, which you see a lot of times um, in those situations. We're there on our own, on our own accord, on our off day, not, even, not getting paid, not getting anything in return except for the fact that we want to help mend the community, uh, help fix a situation that could make everybody's lives better, make everybody's lives easier. And I think, you know, coming from that standpoint, I think they were really respective of that. And um, Like I said, I think that kind of fueled their willingness to, you know, communicate with us and give us the opportunity to talk. Well said. And I, one more question from your specific meetings there. One of them was with uh, Representative Keith Ellison, as you mentioned, from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. He is two things also uh, worth noting. He is Muslim. And he is, mm-hmm. mentioned, he is mentioned as a possible successor to run the Democratic National Committee. Uh, with his experience, insights as a Muslim, with a lot of divisive things being said over this election process, 
take us inside some of the things, some of the reactions you had meeting him and, and his perspective. Yeah, I mean, uh, he is extremely bright, extremely charismatic. I mean, you sit with him for a couple of minutes, you can see why, you know, he's kind of looked at such a political rock star, honestly. <laughs> and, I mean, he, he was extremely open. Um, he may have been the most open of any conference that we sat down with, mm. you know, which was, uh, like I said, a, a bright spot for us, you know, coming in there under the situations we were. But, you know, I, I think honestly that what, what more than anything is that, that he brings to the table is, you know, America is made up of so many different races, so many, you know, religious backgrounds, so many beliefs. And I think that's what makes our country beautiful. And I think where we get into trouble a lot of times is lumping people into one category or another or lumping personalities into another because they have this in common. They must take this, 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 and this also. They right. must go this, 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 and this way. And, you know, like I said, I mean, America is, is beautiful for the reason that, like I said, we all believe different things. We all come from different backgrounds. Um, and what should bring us together is the passion to continue you know, pushing America as this land of the free and, and, and really, you know, to be whatever you want to be, believe what you want to believe and, you know, all have access to the American dream. And I think that's what Keith Ellison makes it to the table. You know, he's Muslim descent or, you know, he, he's Muslim. And like I said, that's, that's, a, that's not the norm. And uh, you'll right. see in, 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 in the Congress and in the Capitol building. So, you know, his perspective is unique. And like I said, he, he, he can speak from, both sides of the fence and like I said, understanding uh, how important diversity is and, you know, kind of prevents us from, like I said, stereotyping what we think should be or what a congressman shouldn't look like. And like I said, he has some incredible views on a lot of things and um, he's just a, an extremely bright man. And like I said, that was, that was one of probably one of the most eye opening meetings that we had that day. That's very interesting. And, and speaking of diversity and different perspectives, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention one of the people on your trip was uh, Josh McCown, who is obviously white uh, yeah. and, and a teammate of yours. Talk about his mm -hmm. input and his perspective and how valuable it was to have him in the group. Well, you know, I, I can't tell you how much, you know, I, I think of Josh McCown as a person, mm -hmm. you know, being around him for two years, having conversations with him with both like, you know, two of the older guys on the football team. So we have a lot of conversations about a lot of different things. And he is just a, a tremendous guy back and forth. He's one of those guys that when they get done in 10 years from now, no matter what it is, he's going to be uber successful. And you're going to say, yeah, I seen that coming, whether it be a head coach, a general manager, or even a politician, because he has, you know, that kind of care in his body for other people. And he's just so, so genuine. So, you know, it's funny because, we didn't know we both were going on the trip until later on in the process. So Anquan reached out to both of us individually and we actually hadn't had that conversation with each other before we realized <laughs> we were both heading on the trip together. Because Interesting. Anquan yeah. Also played with Josh as well. And so their mutual connection, you know, he's a person that uh, Anquan sought out and I was too. So, you know, like I said, it's not like we got together and decided we were both going to go or anything. That's actually not how it went, but, yeah, I mean, Josh, be, like I said, I, I can't say enough about Josh, um, but the kind of person he is, like, I, he, he's a problem solver. He is, you know, full of empathy towards 
anybody, any situation. He has the ability to put himself in someone else's shoes. He has the ability to say, okay, this is a problem, or this is an issue that somebody's talking about or somebody's dealing with. Let me look at it from their perspective on this side, look at it from the perspective on this side, and see what in my background I can do to mend the two sides and see it from both sides. And he does a tremendous job at that. You know, and, and you know, like I said, he was one of the guys in the meetings, really pushing the conversation, really asking the tough questions, um, and getting and giving his perspective in a way that, like I said, I mean, you know, he was the only white member in the meetings, but his perspective was that important because, like I said, it shows, you know, somebody from both sides of it, someone can understand one side, understand the other, and above all else, work to come to a solution. That's great. And I've heard that before, Andrew, about Josh, that this yeah. is this is a special man who's going to be successful, whatever he does, and the influence he has in the locker room. And obviously, you guys have gone through some tough times. It's great to have people like that around. No question. No question. You know, spinning this, this sort of issue on a bigger scale, just your thoughts as we entered into this season – with all the attention focused on Colin Kaepernick and his his uh, reaction during the national anthem, how much did that infiltrate what was going on with the Browns, what you thought about, what reaction you guys have had, and do you sort of still sense whatever Kaepernick is that brought sort of a sense of social activism, a sense of doing something more? Uh, do you still feel that now? Yeah, I do. I mean, I do feel it, and I think it affected – everyone in a different manner, not just in the Browns, around the league, around, you know, households who follow football, who follow the situation. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what protests are supposed to do. They're supposed to create conversation. They're supposed to create awareness. They're supposed to, you know, create questions and not everyone is going to agree with the protest. Honestly, if everybody agreed what the protest was, then it, it probably wouldn't be much of a protest in the first place. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think the, our locker room was no different. Um, you know, I don't think it affected us in any degree as far as football is concerned or, you know, as far as how people interact and where they stood on the, on, on the situation. But like I said, it did get the conversation going, which is what, what the important thing was. For us going forward, that was a big part of this trip. You know, right, honestly, like right. I said, me, Malcolm, we, Glover, uh, Quinn, I'd be remiss if I left him out. All right. Um, that's how we kind of started our conversation as well. I mean, early on in the league, as this stuff went on, um, there was a group chat that was kind of created amongst players in the NFL, um, you know, from every team. We had players almost from every team, and we would kind of talk about this and um, hash out opinions and what people thought, and, and that kind of spawned into what we we had going on last week. And I think it's the natural progression for the protests. You know, they're, they're important, and, and what Kaepernick did was very important to get somebody to kind of look at the situation and see it from a different perspective and maybe think about it where before they wouldn't have had to, honestly. Um, yeah. And, and us having the opportunity to go to Congress, like I said, I think that's us seeing that and say, okay, well, what's next? You know, Kaepernick did an incredible job bringing light to an issue. Um, whether you agree the way he did it or not, it began the conversation in, in a large way. So do we just, people who are concerned or want to help find a solution, do you continue to do what he's doing? Do you ignore it and move on? Or can you take whatever steps you can and whatever is in your power to help push the needle forward? And 
like I said, that kind of fueled our whole trip in the first place. Yeah, and you have taken to the next steps. But again, so now I have to ask, sir, what is next as we, you know, you have uh, a month and a half of the season left. You're looking forward. We're in this polarizing time in this country right now with these protests going on. And yeah, people are scared. Uh, I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I get it all the time. Uh, certainly when I deal with people about what's next, give us from your perspective, what's next from your group of five, from your feeling from the players as a whole, as you go back to the communities in the off season, mm-hmm. what are you personally looking to accomplish and maybe collectively as a team and or players in general? Yeah, that's a tough question. Yeah, That's a tough question. And honestly, it's, it's uncharted territory for me personally and a lot of the guys that were on the trip, you know, but, the old saying is you have to be the change that you want to see. Right. So it's just a matter of us putting our words into action and using our platform for that. And I don't know what exactly we're trying to be or what the exact next step is. You know, we got commitments from a lot of the congressmen to continue the conversation. We got invited back as soon as, soon as the season's over to continue to take next steps and you know, we worked on a few deliverables and, that, and the, a lot of the context uh, of the meetings I, I won't go into, but you don't know what it is that's going to strike the change or, you know, how much you can do to help it out, but you have to do your part. You right. know, actually, Congressman Ellison had a you know, quick quote, like, you don't know what raindrops started the flood. So right. it's important for us to take our steps as, as little or as big as they may be to continue to, to, like I said, help find a solution, man. And, and that's our only focus, doing as much as we can in the community, making people aware um, on both sides, and I don't even like to use the word both sides because that, that right. it kind of insinuates that it's one side or two sides, and it's not that. And I think that's a, a big issue is that, you know, you can, finding a solution takes us realizing that, look, it's not you're on this side or that side. Um, and I think that's where a lot of the division comes from. But, you know, like I said, I mean, as far as what steps to take next, we're going to continue to have this conversation. We're going to continue to use our influence for good. Um, I said in a press conference that if somebody loving the game of football or someone being a huge Anquan Bolden fan can influence a Republican and a Democrat in the Capitol building to sit down and have a conversation about anything, um, then, you know, you've done your job, right? You, you've helped find common ground. And we all love Malcolm Jenkins and, you know, that's, that's very powerful. And I think you guys, you know, I love that quote you mentioned. Another quote I love is life begins outside your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And I think so many people stay in that safe comfort zone throughout their lives. They don't take risks. They don't take these meetings. They don't step outside. And kudos to you guys who have done that. And, you know, another thing you've done that I've noticed is, is the using your time in the off season so productively and towards something bigger and, Business School at Columbia University, I just ran into Justin Tuck, who's now at Wharton University, and uh, he was always never wanted to be classified as just a player, just a jock, and and moving on to bigger things. So where are you with your time at Columbia and and pursuing that business degree? Well, yeah, so I'll be graduating this May, which I'm excited about. Um, It's been an incredible journey. It's been an incredible opportunity. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you, you never want to be looked at as a football player. I love football. Football has fueled everything that I've done. It's been my passion since I've been a kid. 
And if I can continue to give back to the game of football as best I can from a business aspect, then that's, you know, that's really coming full circle and, and giving back to what I love. And, and ultimately that's my goal, honestly. Um, you know, but learning, learning what I've learned and being in front of that faculty and with the such bright minds and continuing to increase my knowledge, man, is what I've always been about. Um, so like I said, it's, it's been a beautiful opportunity and I'm looking forward to, to see what I can do for, with it going forward. You're you're a, you're something to behold, Andrew. Appreciate it. You're uh, we're going to have you back when you walk through that diploma line in May, and I'll definitely talk to you before that. But uh, kudos to you. You're a change agent. You're someone I admire for people going outside their comfort zone and really making change happen in a peaceful and thoughtful, insightful way. And thanks for being on the program, Andrew. Really appreciate it. No problem, Andrew. I appreciate you having me, and uh, thank you for the kind words. All right, we'll talk soon. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at rostucker.com or wherever podcasts are found.